Dagger's dead! It's a full-scale invasion! Dagon adding demons, death and doom to the equation. Gotta find the heir, but he's a priest of all things. And the final piece is the Amulet of Kings. Continue podcast, horse armor edition. Yeah. Episode 145 of Continue Podcast. My name is Anthony John Agnello, and that was legit. Not not a joke. That was Champion of Cyrodiil and Elder Scrolls Four Oblivion rap. You wow. really, um, you're you're really in the like dregs now. I've got. Uh, re- <laughs> <laughs> well, you're like, really I, about, You're like like rooting around at the bottom of that barrel. Just, just snuffling out truffles. I like at this <laughs> point with the slow jams. Like it, there are. There are still untapped veins. Like, we haven't done Sade that much. Like, oh, there are yeah. options. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, like, guys, 145 episodes. We've got space, to space out the classics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The 90s was a finite period of time. <laughs> <laughs> and there, there is so much that, horrible... Honestly, <laughs> segue into one of our topics today i don't necessarily think that that's true anymore anthony no, no, no we do have proof that the 90s do Are go very on much forever. alive they're very much alive in ang lee's heart um yeah I, at this point i like whenever i know we're going to be talking about something <laughs> i'm always like i guarantee there's some shitty youtube rap channel yeah that is about specifically what we're going to be talking about like that's fair you Nine times out of ten. I mean, you uh, could probably find a Minecraft-themed version of it, of anything that you're looking for, too, uh, uh, just on yes, YouTube. man. Yes. Like, I... There were... When I was, like, Elder Scrolls Oblivion rap song, Google. Hey, <laughs> Google, tell me about the rap songs for Elder Scrolls Oblivion. Like, guys, uh, that was just the g- best one. You had options, is what you're saying. I, yeah. I had plentiful options <laughs> there was myriad choices i did like i did want to find one that was just about horse armor because hor- like yeah i don't think i don't think it's like a joke anymore like i i don't think horse armor gags i think there are like we we uh have a memory of a forgotten time i feel like there's only like a certain segment of people oh well, yeah that, yeah 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 because it was okay yeah. so for anyone listening who might right. not actually know this horse armor was i won't call it the first microtransaction but it was certainly one of the it was bethesda testing will yeah. people pay real world money for something that only exists in a game and it was yeah. three bucks to have armor for your horse in oblivion and it was you know it got a whole lot of blah, who's gonna pay real money for stuff in a video game and that question <laughs> got answered real fast so real fast uh, um, real fast also uh, Return to Monkey Island made a horse armor joke. Had It had a pre-order bonus where if you pre-ordered the game, you got hor- horse armor. It does nothing. Yeah. All it does is fill up an inventory space and you can like, I mean, you can click on stuff with it and like sometimes Guybrush will have a cheeky response about it. But yeah, it doesn't do anything. 
That's very, that's a, it's a very old fashioned thought. Like I, I, man, I can't think of a single cosmetic downloadable content piece that preceded that. And it was like 2006, I think something like that. Yeah. Two didn't exist. Um, that person who, uh, is keeping the oblivion torch alive is not other than Susan art. Susan, how are you? So I, uh, this is before I got into game journalism. I still had a day job. I still had a real job, but to, you know, uh, because I was a, a, a gamer who wanted to write about video games. I had a side hustle. I kid you not updating an elder scrolls oblivion wiki. Oh my Ooh. God. And I got paid for that. Wow. Wow. And so wow, that's a different era. That's right? an old fashioned statement. Yeah. That, yes. I got paid actual, I got paid in gift cards, but I got paid. That's real. Yeah. It was, it was real monetary value. Just like they would release DLC, uh, like the orrery or something like that. And it'd be like, okay, can you, can you write an entry about it? Yes, I can. Yes, I can. So <laughs> I knew a lot about that game. Man. <laughs> Can you write a, a, something about the Ori? I was going to do that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to do that tonight. Yep. Uh, that person who does insist that the 90s well is bottomless, it's 90s all the way down. Oh, my God. And Staff Roberts, Dave Roberts. Yeah, there was a time when I was like, oh, the 90s are the worst decade because all the clothes were ill-fitting and the music was not and then what like, about the music yeah well then i got over myself and the music like, was good bro it's, the clothes were yeah. terrible yeah the clothes, clothes were, terrible. were terrible yeah like like bucket hats and and mm. over ill-fitting mm. garments and i, don't know, I just my, I think my favorite of, thing about 90s clothes that i'll throw out there is that i have shirts that like i, I went to a private school in seventh grade so there was like a dress code so I've dress shirts and sweaters from 1995 that only now fit correctly. <laughs> <laughs> like actually, like That's, fit, fit, right? Like, like, yeah. like they fit properly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, like in my head, I I always for some reason I always like pair up the like new metal boom with the 90s, but no, that was like mm. early 2000s. 90s. Were, it was were yeah pure and good. Uh, <laughs> And uh, and are a mine of content for for filmmakers, artists, uh, and game I, and game. It makers. will be interesting because, like, I know, like, like the '80s had the big resurgence, right? Like with the synth wave and like everyone, like everything is '80s. Like it just like, got mm-hmm. so over. Yeah, but it never had the clothes, and I'm still really bummed about that. Yeah, it is a bummer. It is like vests never came back. Like no, where were they? like no one did the like the moosed up hair anymore. Like the, yeah. like the the one dangly earring. Right. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like okay, leg warmers didn't need to come back, and that's fine. And jellies yeah. didn't have to, but like you know. No, it's because every because drive came out and like I think fucked it up for everyone. Everyone was like, um, oh, it's just like the jacket and like skinny jeans. Yeah. It's like no, mm. no, I don't think you understood. But yeah. Um, I actually am very grateful that the 80s indie game wave crested and is gone. Mm. Like, if anybody does 8-bit style now, it is with, like, real intent and not just because it's de rigueur. De rigueur. Like, 
Um, so video games, we've been playing video games. All, all of us have been playing video games. All of us have like really tucked in to things. Uh, we talked about this game a few episodes back because I had only just found out that it existed. Susan, have you actually been playing Aliens Dark Descent or just Uh, witnessing it played? Witnessing it played. Yes. So because of our discussion uh, at that time, my husband was like, I don't have anything to play. And I was like, well, friend, let me tell you about this game I just heard about. And he uh, investigated. He's like, oh, that's a really good reco. And (laughs) he played it. Okay. So it is. It does have some bugs. It will crash. Not a huge deal. Not not a not a big issue. Mm. The far bigger issue as someone who was sat in the room with him while he was playing it is that your soldiers only have like three barks. I've heard this. I've heard that they don't and they still haven't fixed it. Nope. Right? It's over. And oh, you hear the same thing. What did I teach you, Marine? Salute! Bravo, oh, Zulu! No. Cool. That guy's a freaking lawnmower! <laughs> oh, no. No, oh, wait. What? So, I don't even let, know. Let, I don't understand the lawnmower thing. It just happens. Let's explain. Like, how does. Like, what are you doing? What is right, the game? Right, 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 right. Because okay. I think once you. Once everybody realizes, like, what this game actually is, and you realize, like, you're going to be triggering these. these this is the whole They're going to talk about lawnmowers a lot. <laughs> yes. A lot. Uh, right. Okay. So simply put, it's Aliens XCOM. Right? Done. It is. Right. You are. It is not. Uh, 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 it's not anybody in the movies or anything like that, but it is in that universe. The story is actually quite good, um, but it is interspersed between XCOM-like level so you will have an objective and you will have to guide your little fire team to it and you'll have to fight aliens that show up or you'll have to download stuff from a computer or you'll have to you have various different things to do it is a tactical uh fighting situation like that so you will hear them say the same bless like so while that is all going on these barks come out. Now, there, there, there will be story section in, in between the levels, but during a level, and you'll have to do levels over more than once, my friends. Oh, yes, you will. That guy's a freaking lawnmower. Oh, I love this gun. <laughs> Ugh, I hate this job. Let's find what out what's mean? inside. What is the lawnmower? I don't know. Like- I don't know. <laughs> So, like, the claws are, like, really good at threshing, like, wheat and grass? I I think what, I think, like, if one of your soldiers, like, mows down an alien or something, I think that's the genesis of it. Also. That's a stretch. (laughs) It's bad. It's bad. It's not good. And then there's, there's a, there's, okay. So, you know the sound when you have, like, new sneakers and and <laughs> you, you take a step and it squeaks, but then also a little puff of air kind of yeah, comes yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the sound the doors make in the oh, facility great. when they open. So you're what? just constantly it, hearing that little squeaky puff, squeaky puff, squeaky is puff. It like 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 an AOL chat room like sign on thing. Like <laughs> like it's the message that that <laughs> quick, 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 quick. 
It's so, yeah, you're going to be hearing the same stuff a whole lot. Um, so that's not great. And <laughs> the biggest, so, so overall, the game is very good. Uh, yeah. The the uh, the soldier management is fun. It's ex commy. Uh, there's you know similar sort of uh, systems of investment in you know different things to help your team uh, heal faster. Like all that that stuff. That that is all fun. The story, like I said, is good. Two main issues. The first, I feel like, is not as big an issue because the game is not a full price game. It's not a $60 game. It's not a $70 game. Yeah. The map is the exact same every single time you play it. If you play this every game... Every time? Every time. If you play this game once, you have played it every single time you're going to play it. It is huh. the exact same thing. So not like XCOM in that respect. So there's no like, well, how will I do it this way? You will do it the exact same way you did it and you'll like it. So mm. there's that. The bigger issue... And again, not a deal breaker, but frustrating. In an attempt to add variety to its gameplay, it will insert levels that are different. They have you doing something different and they end up just not being fun. Example, uh, you there's a, there's a character, uh, I think her name's Commander Hayes or something like that. Um, she's not a soldier. She's telling the soldiers what to do. She's like the main point of contact. She's like your entry point to the story. At one point, for one level, for one level, you play as her. Huh. She's She ain't got a gun. She ain't got tools. She got nothing. So uh, everything you have done to that point, all the gameplays, the strategy, the everything, forget it. For this level, none of it applies. So what she has to do is basically evade an alien. She has to make it to the exit point before she gets jumped. Which leads to, because of various visibility issues and the fact that the game doesn't pause when you look at your map. Oh no. Uh-huh. That's not ideal. No. Wait, and it's not turn-based then? N no, it is not. Weird. Yeah, it's it it's like um when I heard it described, Dave, that like the flow is XCOM but almost darkest dungeony too. Where like huh. there's always sort of an activity, like the clock is ticking. Yes, the clock is ticking. Oh, that's a whole other thing. But yeah. anyway. Um so these these levels, which they have put in there to add a little spice to it, end up being yep trial and error and that you can see the idea like the absolutely. idea is sound like absolutely. that totally absolutely. makes sense yep yep like i get uh, it and i appreciate it but in practice it's like no you should have just let me shoot people yeah I it's like those it. like those levels in like command and conquer or whatever where it's like okay yeah we're gonna right. give you the weird stealth lady now and you have to sneak around and you got one unit and you got to sneak around those ended up being fun though this just sounds tedious it it, it, it they don't work yeah it just, it just sounds, so the reason this game interested me at all was like, not just because like, oh, it's aliens and like people are enjoying it. There is this weird trend that is emerging in here, the weird 2020s of video games, 
where it's almost like we're uh that we, we've come full circle and that licensed games are returning to the world. Mm. Like life, life finds a way. Nature's healing. Uh, yeah. Like nature is healing. Licensed games are coming back after the dark days of, you know, the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 era made it so like prohibitively expensive to make them. And like the age old cash cow of like, there's an alien. Oh, Alien Covenant's coming out. We clearly have to make Alien Covenant right. the, for DS and Nokia flip phones. Like, fucking all of that shit. That <laughs> faded away. And, like, it's almost like we've gone back to the way things were, like, in the arcade era. Where you would see licensed games kind of come out of nowhere. Mm. And people are using them to experiment in recent ways because they have like very modest budgets but they're like well we do have this license so let's see like yeah modest budgets and a built-in audience so they're like that people are gonna buy this let's roll the fucking dice and uh, like this already happened a couple of years ago with aliens fire team Mm -hmm. which was like a squad based it's like not quite a Left for Dead style Aliens game, but that game was fucking awesome. But it was exactly the same as this, where you're like, really good ideas and actually really cool story, but it's you, the, the, their entire budget was two sandwiches yeah. and a Best Buy gift card, and they only had three months to do everything. Yeah. Um. So, like... I wanted to talk, I wanted to hear how it is, Susan, because the weirdest arc that is taking place with these licensed games is that they come out, and then about a year after they're released, they become amazing. Mm. Like, there Didn't that was, happen with the, the Terminator game? Was I, I like was that? just going to say, yeah, there's a, a, a PS4 Terminator game that is almost like, imagine if Arcane had a farm team. Like they're like welcome wow. to the PR the the Peoria Arcanes, uh, and like decided to make you know it's it's not a first person shooter. It has all of these you know sim elements. Like you you're going through these places like trying to hide humans from Terminators like in oh, the future, right? Like cool ideas, but it was mm-hmm. fucking unplayable when it first right. came out. And then they patched it and patched it and patched it and eventually like, here's the complete edition because they made enough money to actually finish it. Um, you know, it sounds like Aliens is just not done. It, I'm not sure what's wrong with it can be... Okay. You could, act, you could absolutely add more barks and please go. <laughs> please, please do. Uh, there's no patching the le- the 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 weird ass levels. Yeah, you can't patch the weird ass levels. Or yeah. you, like you can at least rebalance the weird one off levels. Maybe? Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Maybe, yeah, yeah. And but I, I mean, like, I, yeah, <laughs> it's it's worth playing. Yeah, it is absolutely it's worth a, playing. Yeah, it sounds like they get why people would want to play yes. something like this too. Yes, like that terminator game is like a really cool it's such a such a good extrapolation you remember the scene in the original terminator where it's fucking kyle reese like having a flashback and they're like in the like human hideout Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then all the dogs are barking Mm because fucking those meatheads are actually robots 
it, it is a video game like extrapolating out your fantasy of what that world oh is interesting like. that's neat you know like it's a cool stretching of the thing and this is like oh this is another really good idea of like I want a colonial marines fantasy uh I want a straight up fight and a bug hunt sir uh <laughs> nice where <laughs> Whereas, like, the guys that made that Terminator game, like, they, they showed a trailer during not E3 for, they're making a RoboCop game. Oh, the RoboCop oh, yeah. game, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, and people are like, oh, it's really, like, it's looking good, and it's combat's fun, and you feel really powerful, and I'm like, I don't think you know what RoboCop That's is. not. Yeah, have you, have you seen RoboCop? Right. Like the, the arrow a, meme going over the guy's head, like that's yeah. like RoboCop is the ultimate example of that. Yeah, you know, like, it's not cool. Robot is what that's the, about. Their trailer was legitimately like, oh, like in here, like you're going on this police enforcement quest. I was like, no, you really didn't understand you don't what RoboCop. Is. Okay, speaking of RoboCop, quick aside. I don't know if y'all saw the clip. Of Pee Wee Herman at the Oscars? <gasps> no. Yes. Okay. So, the Oscars has skits sometimes. Little, mm-hmm. right? Pee Wee Herman is up there. And I don't mean Paul Rubens. I mean Pee Wee Herman is up there doing a thing. And Ed 209 comes out. <laughs> what? And starts shooting at him. And then RoboCop comes down the aisle at the Oscars, shooting back at Ed 209. Yeah, the 80s were oh, wild. Yeah, <laughs> well, you forgot the part where Pee Wee Herman, to, es- to evade Ed 209, yes. lifts off and flies yes. into the air above yeah. the crowd at the Oscars. They don't do Holy that. Holy shit. How did I not know that? First of all, look, if any of those developers out there that are picking up licenses to make modest games, RoboCop and Pee Wee Herman versus Ed 209 would be an amazing memorial to Paul Rubens' memory. It, <laughs> Please make true. that. Uh, wow, how has there never been a Pee Wee game? That seems impossible. Wrong time. Just wrong time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, if, I, if there was one, it would have just been, like, a shitty platformer. A platformer. It would have yeah. been a shitty platformer for yeah. NES. Yeah. Like, yeah. LGN would have yeah. made it, and, like, yeah. every video game nerd would have teared it a new one right. in 2003. <laughs> like, God, I... That's so true. Oh, my God. Um, it would have been a platformer yeah. to go find his bike. Yeah, go find his bike. Yeah. And, like, for power-ups in the stage, you'd get the word of the day, and it would yeah. allow you to scream and destroy an enemy. Yeah. Guys, let's make this game. Kickstarter. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Let's make this fucking game. Andrew, uh, Mister uh, Herman. Su- Susan, are you gonna are you gonna play Dark, Dark Descent or Me like no. did you get your fill? No, you're no. out. You're no, out. if, if no. I I swear to God, if I ever Bravo Zulu. No, I can't. No, no. Is, any, is anyone Oscar Mike? Is that no? No, no. Oscar Mike. Bravo Zulu. To... By the way, means well done. Oh, this this is perfect. This is very appropriate that we're, we're talking about somebody repeatedly yelling about lawnmowers uh, during your tense tactical alien fight because uh, I need games to shut up. I need I need games 
not, not to stop talking or not to be throwing words all the time, but I need them to have less of them. And I, I, I they need to weigh the value of the things of that they are saying uh, that, that they are saying. Yes. Yes. And so this was uh, on our last episode before we all got Herkimer Hamokud. Uh, if you are listening to this, I recommend you go listen to our last episode. I briefly mentioned that I had started playing Tunic uh, and like was very uh, uh, skeptical after the intro where it was indie-ass indie game times. It the, looks very twee at first glance. Very, and it's just the, the like soft music and all the light and here you're going. It's the little fox and there's a big fox and you need to free them. Mm. I was like, fucking enough indie games. And honestly... It, that is all a faint. Like it is subverting a lot of those uh, indie game tropes as you get deeper into the, that game. Uh, but the thing that I ended up loving the most about that game was that language just gets pushed to the side entirely. I wouldn't uh, say entirely. Well, no, no, but it, it, in important ways. In important yes. ways. So, uh, Dave, you finished this game, correct? Yes. You you went the distance and Susan yes. you you played it but you got frustrated with the the difficulty balancing is that right Yes I yes I was just dying over and over and over and this is before I had my own Xbox so I was playing right. on Russ's while he was like out of town or something so right. those two things combined I was like okay I'll just whatever You're right like I'm good I'm yeah. good uh, Yeah yeah, I mean, like, I saw this game and knew, like, it's funny, my very first thought when I first saw it was, like, that's not a game that I'm going to want to play on a television. Like, I'm going to mm-hmm. want it in my hand for Switch, eventually. That seems like a very Switch game. Mm-hmm. I never played it in handheld mode for one second. <laughs> I had it only on the TV uh, the entire time. And the reason that ended up happening was, that not only is the game very beautiful, but the game is very reliant on subtle visual communication. Mm. Uh, this game is very much, for anybody that has not seen Tunic over the past year or so, it is very explicitly what if the 1986 Legend of Zelda was made in 2023. And like all of the bells and whistles that go with that philosophically. Uh, and we were talking about this a few episodes ago, Susan, when you were playing Link's Awakening for the first time on mm-hmm. Switch. That style of adventure game is like, we're not going to tell you shit. There are things yeah. that you would just yeah. never make any assumptions about because it was from an era of game design where no matter what, a video game would be supplemented by something. Yeah. Well, like, And I've also heard that... like. <sighs> This could just be me talking out of my ass, but I'm pretty sure I read like in an interview or something with him, like philosophically, the idea behind the game. It's like it's not just like Zelda from the 80s. It's like you found a Japanese copy of Zelda and you are trying to Mm -hmm. interpret what this game is telling you. Yes. And uh, like that is it that is explicitly baked into it. So I, I. for anyone unfamiliar, a huge part of the game is you're not just finding items that open up the world for you and unlocking new abilities. You are finding in the world pages of the manual that would have come with the game. And the manual is not fully in English. I would say, like, you know, if you're looking at a page of information about items, 
only three out of ten will have an English word yeah. next to it's that. It's kind of like it is kind of like a Japanese manual where it's like some of the yes. words they just use loner words and like you can understand yeah. those, but then the rest of it is <laughs> a language you don't read or speak. For- Right. And for but like forget Japanese. Like if if for anybody that played like NES or Genesis games back in the day, you would open the manuals and the information was uh moderately useful at best. <laughs> like I would say that the, the, the these things were uh hints stro- like they were implications rather than <laughs> explicit <laughs> explanations for what you were doing and you know, like I, I feel like modern games have sort of taken a little bit of that philosophy back. And you you play your Dark Souls, your Elden Rings, and your Breath of the Wilds, and they're like, well, we're not making these games supplemented by guides and manuals. We're supplementing these with you know community. Uh, if you're going to find things out in these games, you're going to talk to people. And Tunic is far more like we're going to create a world that communicates with you visually and then we're going to give you other visuals that aren't walls of text to help you guide through that and i haven't been so deeply satisfied by puzzle solving in something you know like we we talk about puzzle games a lot on this show Mm -hmm. um you know just because of like your guys tastes like you guys love puzzle games and I'm not like opposed to them, but like you're just I dumb. don't like. I'm just a dumb dumb. I'm just a big dummy. No, like <laughs> we'll give you a Picross puzzle and a timer, and watch you have a great old time. Okay, right? Like you, like the night, like the next shot is just like a stylus pushed through a DS. <laughs> <laughs> but like, the, like, okay, I just yeah. want to stress. I am teasing because you will sit there and do a jump for like a half hour until you absolutely get it right. Whereas I'm like, no, 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 I will not. No. And this, this game is, I mean, definitely in that realm too. Like I, I, I will say, I understand why you bounced off the, the, the sort of difficulty of the action, because especially early on, it is very uh, punitive in the way that an yeah. 80s game was. It is yeah, very like, punitive. Yeah, like, a lot of those, like, earlier Zelda games felt very punitive in the early oh, yeah. game because wow. you had three hearts. And it's, right. it's it's interesting because, like, those games, like, yeah, they throw more challenges at you, but in, in a way, they almost get easier as you progress just because you have more health, you have more options Tunic's the, Yeah, Tunic is exactly the same way, too. Like, by the end of Tunic... You can literally like teleport over half the screen with like no penalty. You just move all over the place. But man, the the at uh, the the game as you find pages of the manual, the extent of language that you get is the begin. Like there is a page that says in written language the, to begin the game, and then it just lists like East Forest, and then Eastern Bell. And then after that, it's like Western Garden. So you just have like these nominal directions on where to go. And then after that, you're kind of left to your own devices. And I did shit wildly out of order. Yeah. And I love that. Like, I was so happy that it accommodated doing things wildly out of order. I like, 
I was just banging my head against the wall. Full on Anthony tries to play Oberdin mode. We're like, what do you fucking want from me, book? Like screaming at the game until there is it, it like a map that you find in the pages. And I was like, holy shit, at the very bottom of the map, there is a ladder at the southernmost tip of what it like labels as the overworld. And I've never seen a ladder there. So why don't I go down there? And I did, and it was like, the the whole thing is isometric. So mm-hmm. the perspective that it was providing me, it's there. You can only see the top centimeter oh, wow. of the ladder. And I was like, oh shit, I could just climb up that. And as you go through the environment in those places, you will naturally flow through an environment and it will show you a path back out and put you back into these central hubs. But you're you're coming from behind walls that seem solid. And it just opens up and opens up and opens up. And it was so... Uh, like, I, you know, I, I've been... Uh, I, I think I mentioned this when we did the Congo episode. I've been feeling like, like Tears of the Kingdom broke me. I feel mm-hmm. like it took the dopamine center of my brain. It was just like... <laughs> And like pulled it all out and said every joy you could get from a video game anymore is gone. Zelda used you up. Zelda, like, <laughs> it's over and you wasted it. This game was meaningless. <laughs> there was nothing it was there was nothing down there. It was Koroks all the way down, and like video games have broken you. And like playing Final Fantasy 16, where every single second is like oh no, and then these uh, fallen, and these marked, and these elder gods, and these swords, and Benedicta's boobs, and this, and you want to be like, God, shut up, shut your fucking mouth, Final Fantasy. <laughs> Either <laughs> shut up, talking. or have, like, different ranges of emotion, like, every, mm. like not every character should ha- be at the same level of po-faced seriousness. Yes. Have characters. Peaks but, and valleys. You don't need... I can't believe I am all people... Of all people, I'm saying this. Like, you don't always need to be saying something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you don't always need to be talking. Uh, Susan I, wondering what this lesson is finally going to... It's it's sunk in. Tunic, Tunic put it right in there, and I took it to heart. I just... I, I, I'm not saying that games need to totally be silent and I need everything to be atmosphere, but the I think that there is an over-reliance mm. on text, whether it's spoken or written text, to tell people what is going on in a game now. Um, and like you, you see it even in things that are otherwise... like very trusting of the player like the number of times that elden ring or tears of the kingdom will throw up a fucking like 200 word fucking paragraph about something out of the blue it's like there's another way to tell me this am i am i overly sensitive like am i overly sensitive to text or do you guys experience this as well i mean i felt the same way with final fantasy 16 like i like yeah oh God, it's I just to shut up yeah like it's the problem isn't that it's talking it's the problem is that like none of it feels purposeful like it's all yes. like it feels like it feels like a game made by a team of mmo 
developers. And like, not that that's a bad mm, thing. Like an no, MMO needs content. And like, I like Final Fantasy fourteen, and I put up with a lot of its verboseness because I understand that it is coming from a place of being an MMORPG where we have to provide a lot mm-hmm. of things for the player to do with their time. And like, yeah, it's, it, it does make things drag, but it also means that like when they really focus in, those moments are impactful. Um, and when you have the expectation that that's spread out over like a hundred hours or so, mm. like that's fine. When you're trying to make a game like a 30 to 40 hour video game and that's your approach is to basically make like, 25 hours of that feel like nothing we got a problem here yeah i well susan you're playing you you are playing oblivion again yep (laughs) after all this time yep and you know the funny thing is is i i think that i found my experiences playing oblivion and skyrim and to a lesser extent morrowind because i i didn't get very far into morrowind when it was Mm. new Mm mm-hmm but my experience of those games was so enhanced by the lack of of textual punishment in those games. Like, they're not devoid of text, but I think people remember them as being wordier than they are. What's really interesting with Dave bringing up this was designed by people who made an <laughs> MMO, the whole reason I'm playing Oblivion is because I tried to play Elder Scrolls Online. And it's like, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> and but here's the thing, I I play, years ago I played it for a long time, for months, and I really mm. enjoyed it. It's very good. The it it it's well written. The quests are interesting. There's and I don't know if something changed, if the structure of it changed, or your way as a new player into it changed since then. Because when I played it, it wasn't free to start. Oh, it was you you bought you bought it. Yeah, you bought and, the game. Yeah, and now it's different. So I think it's it's structured differently. And they just throw so much at you. And there's so much going on at all times. And it's just this constant barrage of opportunity and possibility. Go Oof. learn how to make furniture. Go join a guild. Go to this place. Go to that. I played Oblivion. Uh, so I went to Oblivion, a game I've played for, you know, 400 hours or something because it's simpler and has less in it. Mm-hmm. And how, ba- how about that? How about yeah. simpler and less in it? Yeah. And there is a the, the verboseness, the image of verboseness. It comes from the fact that there's lore everywhere. There's scrolls. There's books. There's you know objects there's all there there is a lot of text there that you can opt into if right. you feel like learning more about you know Sheogorath and you know the, the you great you can and if you don't want to you don't have to you're still going to be able to figure out how to do the quest mm-hmm. so that richness is very much you know, dip in, dip out as you see fit, as opposed to Elder Scrolls Online, where it's just hitting you in the face at all times. Yeah, and like Oblivion, even, you know, I feel like because of a decade plus of Skyrim being ported to everything, including watches, Mm. like, you know, people forget that 
Oblivion gave you so much of the same freedom. Like it was mm-hmm. so easy to play that game in a way where not only are you not totally engaging with the main plot, but you're not even engaging with any of the like guild storylines. You can just go fucking out there and wander. And it, yep. it's deeply satisfying and deeply fun to just play it at the level of like an 80s Zelda. Like I'm going to go, I'm going to go in this cave. I'm going to find these things. I'm going to do this stuff. And man, like the consideration of that, I, I, I'm not saying I, I don't think that Bethesda can't make a great game, but like, I worry in the day that elder Scrolls six comes out mm-hmm. that the pressure to be like blockbuster to all people Mm-hmm. is going to to make it like oh now here's another 53 minute cutscene about the dragons rising in the east and uh, like um i see i'm not and this is perhaps uh, foolish of me but going back to oblivion now oblivion is an old ass game at this point it is yeah old and the voice acting is real bad and the graphics are actually the, 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 it looks better than you think it does. It's, the faces were the only thing that ever yeah. like you know oblivion faces were a thing. They dev- they're very, they're all very 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 moon faced boy. They're all very. <laughs> <laughs> but that game still slaps, dude. Mm-hmm. It's still real fun to play. It's still really satisfying. The combat is good. The like, I I understand. Yeah, okay, scaling like as you love. Like, I get all that. Yes, and and grow up. It's it's, it's not that. <laughs> but and and what really really impressed me as I'm playing it now again to be fair, like I said, uh, I had a job writing a, a an Oblivion wiki, so I knew this game on a level of detail that perhaps the average player did not. But this is a game I have not picked up 15 years. Yeah. And I immediately remembered things. I I, I would like, I, I encountered a quest. I'm like, I remember exactly who you are. I know exactly what to expect because they're so well-crafted and interesting and meaningful. That doesn't go away. Like that yeah. understanding of what a person is going to find fun and interesting and memorable. You don't lose that just because monetization's strategies change yeah like bethesda gets it whatever else may influence the design of a thing they understand single player experiences on an atomic level yeah and I mean, it honestly, also helps that they're, they're they're like todd howard is still there like a lot of a lot, there's, there's a lot the of lot of those people too. are still yes. there making Correct. those games that they've been making for decades now yeah yeah uh man uh, like uh the um god uh, the the uh what is the first, second elder scrolls is that arena am i thinking of arena i think daggerfall? so daggerfall 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 thank you daggerfall is the, is the first, first one, one arena or is that like a side <laughs> anyway i think daggerfall no, is arena is one of them it is one of them but like <laughs> the the um play, playing playing or Daggerfall way back when like even that I can still see 
the just the the um just the sprites mm-hmm. of people talking in like my college room <laughs> college roommate's <laughs> PC and being like, hey, that shit looks like if heavy metal was turned into a video game. <laughs> and B, nothing else looks like that. Uh I love I love when you play a game and it's so clearly distinctive enough that its visual language is so powerful that you will never forget any part of it. Yeah. Oblivion has that kind of visual language. Skyrim has that visual language. It's part of why Tunic is such a powerful experience is because, you know, I feel like people hear Tunic described and I certainly had this reaction and they see it and they assume that the tweeness is going to be a nostalgia fueled above all else. Mm -hmm. And, there are parts of the game that are certainly very nostalgic. You know, when you pause the game to look at the man, like the manual, the the animation of the manual coming up obscures very quickly the fact that it is mimicking holding up a manual in front of a CRT TV. But it is so subtle, and eventually that stuff just fades away, and you're just in this world. And that world is so carefully wrought it's it the the language of gameplay the language of space is so considered along with the actual explicit written spoken language that i i don't think that's not going to fade like if i play that mm-hmm. game again in 15 years it's all going to still be there immediately and i don't know man i just like I play things like Final Fantasy 16 and I, I my patience for it is just gone because there's yeah. no there's no balance in that regard. Um, you know, there's another world where Final Fantasy 16 is an 8-hour game like Uncharted 1 and it would be fucking awesome. That's what, like yeah, like my thing is like if this was just like Osiris Wrath and it was mm-hmm. just like an 8 to 10 hour character action game without any Fine. of the like rpg bullshit take mm-hmm. it out strip out all of the like pointless like back and forth talking just boom moment to moment action sequences string together you can you can make something out of that you can make something yeah. meaningful where like those the big moments that are supposed to be impactful have impact but when you fill yes. it with nothing no, with nothing it's very difficult uh, to care about anything that happens in it so ye old uh square enix creators of final fantasy 16 uh have clearly you guys whiffed it with this one because you can't get bigger final fantasy fans than dave roberts and anthony john agnello and susan you're at least final fantasy curious most of the time in the wake <laughs> of uh it returns it's it true. is true and yeah, like I played all 15. three of them, we're like fuck this uh but square enix always gets us with the weird interesting shit yeah uh, they get they get us with the live alives and the voice of cards yeah voice of cards was it voice yes of cards yes again, yep right? yep um dave i hadn't even heard of this no. game prior to you it, mentioning it it's because the only mention that they made of it was in a japanese nintendo direct you, not even the english playing, one you've been playing paranorman 2 Paranorman <laughs> 2, uh, Norman Harder. Uh, no. It's called Paranormasite, colon, The Seven Mysteries of Honjo. Of course there's which a, is a great name. involved. Uh, rolls Holy off the shit. tongue. <laughs> which, which is yeah. a great name. Um, 
It's it is this Anna year's Norma site. It's site. actually on oh, sale. Site like Vision site. Yeah, it's actually <laughs> on sale on the eShop. I probably won't be by the time this. It might be still by the time this episode goes up. But yeah, it's on sale on the eShop and Steam right now. Uh, it is this year's weird and interesting narrative game made by a guy who worked on a Metal Gear game published by Square Enix that Square Enix never bothered to tell anybody about. Time out, uh, time out, time out, time out. Are we sure that there isn't somebody out there trying to catfish Dave into putting them in his will? Because if I was going to trick you, Dave, into leaving all of your worldly possessions to me, I too would be like, here's an interesting narrative game by one of the people who made Metal Gear. <laughs> well, okay, so published this... by the creators of Final Fantasy. Oh my like, God. Just tie a string to the end of it. Yeah, and... you just have to sign this uh, document. This. <laughs> Pay no attention to that. Um, last year, it was the Centennial Story that like FMV game by one of the mission designers on Metal Gear Solid yeah. Five. That like I really liked it. There's not a whole lot of gameplay in it, but it was like an interesting story, well done, and. Square just never told anybody about it. Again, I think they announced that one too, also in like either a Japanese Nintendo Direct or like the Japanese State of Play or something. Anyway, uh, this one is uh, so I actually had to look him up because his name shows up. Uh, Takanari Ishiyama, uh, who uh, apparently, according to the Giant Bomb wiki page for him, he was a sound designer on Metal Gear Solid and Tokimeki Memorial, not the actual game, but like. The, the visual novels and then yeah. he just made a bunch of japanese only adventure games and visual novels and then worked on, then moved over to square directed and wrote uh final fantasy 12 revenant wings and blood of oh, that weird ds game yeah that's a weird so I was game like, I, I saw that I, I was like okay uh it's <laughs> like the centennial story it does not seem like there's a lot of gameplay here but what is here is interesting so i'm I'm gonna set this up to you the game starts out you turn it on you see the square next logo and a guy starts talking to you over it he's the storyteller he's this old like kind of cheeky looking old dude standing next to an old tube tv and he asks you your name so you put your name in and then he's like oh okay so is your name this and it pulls the name that you put the profile name that you use on switch instead of the name that you typed in and you're like, no? Oh, no, it's actually... So, automatically, this game is fucking with you. And I was like, okay, I'm in. I'm, I'm like, mess with me, please. Um, so, the way that the story is set up, it's set in 1980s uh, Japan, like a city, like a suburb of Tokyo. Um, and you start out as a character whose name is... Uh, I have no notes here. Let's see. Shogo Okie. He's fresh out of college. Just kind of like a bland nothing of a guy lucked into a job he's like i'm just good like i works for a chemical company i'm gonna move up the ladder have the wife and kids just kind of like do this it's fine you meet a girl who's like way into the cult like it's like kind of weird and you're out in the middle of this park at one in the morning and she's looking for what are known as curse stones and these stones are tied to a um a mystic ritual called the rite of resurrection. Anthony is waving what are, at me. What, what are we seeing? What are we seeing? It's just, it's like uh, it's visual novel style. So like you're looking through the character's eyes and okay. you can like each environment, you can't move around in it, but you can like, you get like a 360 degree view, kind of like a Google street view sort of thing where like it, you can look is around. Is it real people like Centennial no, it's car- story? 
no, it's like cartoon, like uh, almost like watercolor style. And when you talk right. to someone, you do see like back and forth. But there's like interesting ways, like lots of Dutch angles with the camera and like panning. So it's a little bit more interesting than just like static images of people kind of talking at you. Uh, so they do get a little interesting with the framing of it. So anyway, she's looking for these cursed stones. And uh, these stones are tied with the, uh, the the seven mysteries of Hanjo, but apparently there's actually like a dozen just because of the way that like folklore works where a, more stories just got added to it, but people kept calling it seven because seven sounds better than 12, I guess. Like that's the re- reason that they give. Yeah, folklore is weird like that. And all these stories are like, yeah, like weird old mysterious folk tales. Some are kind of spooky. Like there's one story that you can read about in the like in-game sort of uh, like you unlock profile pages and stuff. And one of them's like uh, there's a mysterious voice, like a bunch of fishers are by the river, and there's a mysterious voice that says, "Leave your fish here. Leave your fish. And if you don't leave your fish, uh, if you like, if you don't leave it as an offering, the next day you end up disappeared, and then they find you dead." Uh, so like it just become you know like yeah folk tales like just kind of sorts of stories that get passed along uh, over time and they get warped. Uh, others aren't so creepy. There's a story of uh, a tree whose leaves never fall, and that's the story. They're like that's not like it's just an evergreen tree. That's not weird. And <laughs> actually, find out a little bit more about that. But um, so. This story, like, you're, you're in the middle of this park, it's like one in the morning, very quickly goes dark. Uh, your friend dies. Uh, just like you, like, you turn around, you look for a spirit, you press a button, and then you turn back around, and she's just like, Bleh. eyes white. Oh, the, the, like the girl who's looking for yeah, the t- stones. Okay. Yeah, she, she's dead. And you end up in a possession with a curse stone. You have it in your hand, and then you see a shadowy figure off in the distance, and you go to talk to him. And he's like, I need your cursed stone. And you're like, does this guy have a cursed stone? How do I know he's not going to try to kill me? Because like, once you pick up the cursed stone, it tells you, you now have the ability to kill somebody. But only if certain, um, only if certain uh, criteria are met. And if you kill enough people, you fill up the cursed stone and you can perform the rite of resurrection to bring someone back from the dead. What is happening? <laughs> right? So your curse stone is is the Fisher one. It's the like it tells you to leave. So and the curse is if someone if you can get someone to walk away from you, you can kill them with the curse. Well, that's easy. So so the so the game is like you're gonna try to get somebody to walk away from so you. It sounds more involved than it actually is. Each there are puzzles in this game. But you're not like, it's not like a game where you're like, oh, I have to like, you know, like explore this world and like make people walk away from me. No, it's like there are places on the map that you're, you can only go to a couple places at a time and each one has a very specific character that you're going to meet there. And they're going to like, and your goal is just to kind of talk to them and move the story along. And maybe you solve a puzzle to like figure out how to either get them to not use their curse against you or to use your curse against them. Uh, and then eventually, like, th- this is just the intro section. So, like, you, you get to the end, you fill up your curse stone, and something happens. And then the game zooms back, and the storyteller's like, okay, this character's story's done. But three characters that you met in his 
evening you can now play as and that's where i'm at right now where it's like there are other characters that all have their own reasons for looking for curse stones that you've met during sort of like the the first character's journey shogo's journey uh to try to resurrect his friend um you learn about like there's like this this one woman her son was murdered uh like a year ago and she's just been heartbroken and like her 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 husband works for the police force like the police like like he was kidnapped the police fucked it up so bad that they had to like um put everything like they they had to hush the media and stuff because otherwise the police would look look really bad so she hires a private investigator and then she ends up in the possession of a cursed stone and she's like well i can bring it back now with this so i'm gonna go out and but then you also there's like a there's a high school girl and there's a police detective that you play as and for those portions of the game they really feel like dialogue heavy where you're just like you click on a person to talk to them you expand all of the dialogue options you move to the next chapter you talk to a person it's very visual novelly in that mm-hmm. way like it does not feel like like a it's more like a phoenix right it seems like where yeah, it's like there's was, just a lot say, of talking like, with the occasional puzzle, but what, what was, it's um, cool. It's it's like it, and the way that you solve the puzzles to like to get like some of the curses to, uh, to like because like you'll die, and then it'll zoom back out to the storytellers like, hey, I'll give you another chance to try again. If you keep dying, he'll start giving you hints about like how to avoid the curse. And like some of the so solutions, it's not like um, it's not like nine 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 where like you hmm. can like really lose progress. No, well, so like yeah, like once you finish. Okay, let me start over. No, because once you die, you basically start at the latest like checkpoint in that chapter's story, right? It's like like okay. basically a couple minutes before you die. Um, but what you learn through the storyboard is that there are branching narrative sections. It does not seem yeah. as like as branching as 999 was where there are like multiple different endings that you can get and but it does seem like there are some decision points in each uh timeline that do affect the way certain events play out and your objective is to to make the right sort of events happen to get to the end of the game um the true you know the true ending of the game like a lot of these do um and it's from what i gather too it's like relatively short like how long to beat has the average time at around 12 hours so it's not oh, it's perfect. like yeah it's ace not attorney, like a, I, i'll never finish an ace attorney game again ever like the yeah. 35 to 40 hour yeah visual Susan, novel that's like yeah they're long like, they're long they're um, so long and like this one like I think the fact that it's only a $20 game instead of like a $50, $60, like some of the, like the, the, that AI sequel that I haven't played yet. Um, Oh yeah. I haven't played that one yet. Yeah. It's supposed to be really good too. But it's also the first one. I bought it. That's a $60 game. And I'm sure that's like three dozen hours or so to finish. Whereas this is like, yeah, it's 20 bucks. It's on sale right now. 20% off. It's um, relatively, and it gets to the point really fast. Like, there's just enough talking for you to like get to know the characters, but it's not so belabored that like you're like, oh my god, fucking stop talking, and make something happen, um, which is nice. Like it feels like a really good sweet spot where it's like if you want like a quick visual novel fix, it's cool. 
it bums me out that Square Enix is going to back away from yeah the, like this and voice of cards and dungeon Does explorers it- like the big, Square Enix, the perpetual learners of the correct, correct lesson from their failures. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, they always. I, yeah, they're they're going to triple down on AAA games when <sighs> Final Fantasy 16 has underperformed sales expectations. Like even for be like they even took into account the fact that it was just a PS5 game and it's not yeah. selling like they wanted to. I, I, I don't know, man. I like this is. Don't it's, we were just we were just talking about Elder Scrolls video 6. Games. Well, it's not just marketing. It's not just marketing. Trust me, they put plenty of marketing dollars behind Final Fantasy 16. Uh, I don't think. Well, I mean this. I mean, like, tell oh, people this. about this Paranormal game. Z- well, no, because they're they're not going to do that. <laughs> this. This is their marketing strategy. They want us talking about it. That's yeah. and they're like, you know, our our expectations are modest. Word of mouth will carry it if it's going to be carried at all. But the the um you know, Final Fantasy 16 that underperforms because you have diluted your fucking brand. You yeah. have not you're not making the thing that you you used to make. And so like Susan, you're like, Elder Scrolls 6, I have faith. These people understand what the thing is. They're not going to all of a sudden stop making that thing what it is. Uh, just making Game of Thrones wankery is not... Uh, it's bad fine. Game of Thrones. Like yeah. It's bad Game of Thrones. Um, what was... What was the detective game? Hotel Desk? No, 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 no. The bad detective game that came out like about a year and a half ago. And it it was like Willem Dafoe was in it. And you you guys both were like, yeah, this game's a fucking disaster. Where like you're like trying to like piece together who either killed you or who murdered somebody. 11 minutes? Yeah, 11 minutes. 11 minutes. This game sounds like if 11 minutes didn't suck. (laughs) That's what it sounds like. <laughs> More visual novel, less like manipulating objects Time to cause events to yeah. happen. Yeah, yeah. it's oh, like okay. the puzzles are very like it is like there is one solution to this. You'll you'll either use the item to make it happen or figure out the thing that you need to do to make it happen. It's Got not it. like a All protracted right. series of like Rube Goldbergian adventure gaming nonsense. Um. It's no, just it's a cool. weird premise too of like here's yeah. a rock. Now you can kill somebody yeah. with your rock. It fills you with the urge to kill. And you just press a button and it kills them. Please tell me that's a direct quote. Oh, Please yeah. tell me the game is like you Yeah, you pick it up and like you kill. see the spirit of like the embodiment that is in the stone and it's like yelling at you with this big bold text and then like under it it's like this cursed stone gives you like a like an uncontrollable urge to that's that's isn't that always the way? Isn't it's that always, always that's always the way? Isn't always it. Um, you know who fills me with the uncontrollable urge to kill? Are we talking wow, about Ang Lee or are we talking about? Are we talking about the backers of this program? Oh, I thought we were going <laughs> to. We did talk about Gemini Man. Oh, that's our backer section. Oh, Do we want to talk the... about Gemini? 
Yeah, I, I thought you were going to save it for the show. We could we could save it. For do you want to do we, do you want to talk about Gemini Man, Susan? Do you want to no. hear about Will Smith? <laughs> no, I don't. No, here. Okay, first I don't. All right, look. <laughs> Dave, did you start this? Is this your fault? It's oh, an absolute 100%. 1,000% okay. Dave's fault. All right. Why? Was, okay, why? Well, I can't get you to watch a good American movie. Instead, what movie? you watch this. What, what movie? Any good American movie. I talked to you, you're like, well, I've been watching all of this stuff from Hong Kong cinema and this Japanese print that's out of date and is from the Shigugo province of the thing and the and I'm like okay could you just maybe watch this one film hold on let's figure out like watch Oppenheimer or Barbie or something and you're like oh I don't I don't I wait till they come like I'll watch Barbie I'll watch Oppenheimer I'm I'm I don't go to the movie theater though. Oh no, that I don't blame you. I don't. I, I no, hundred percent. I'm going to watch Oppenheimer and Barbie. Yeah, absolutely. I, I watched Dungeons and Dragons and I loved it. I just it what? took me like three months because that's when it hit streaming. So Here's I do. Dave I do me. watch new movies and normal people movies. I just I like I saw this like every now and then like a clip would show up on on I think. Internet weirdo Chris Person, I think, shared the video of the motorcycle chase scene a while back in 60 frames a second. And I saw that. I was like, okay. What is this? What is, yeah, that was my, I was like, what is this? And I have to, I have to watch it. So well, let me per- read, let me read Dave's seduction. <laughs> Here's oh, how Jesus. Dave got me. Here we go. For some reason, they gave Ang Lee infinite money to make the artsiest, most expensive 90s direct-to-TV Metal Gear Solid-ass movie ever made. It's deeply stupid, but also kind of amazing. You have to watch the 4K disc, though, because it plays in 60 frames per second, and honestly, that sells the movie. It feels like a video game, in a well-done way, if that makes sense. I should hate everything about it. High frame rate, bad CGI, extremely hokey script that was written in the 90s. But I don't know. Ang Lee really sells it. And I was like, done. <laughs> I like it is a, it was a in. script written in the 90s, made in 2019. There are references to Nelson Mandela and Dolly uh, the Sheep that, yep. yeah. Which, it is again, explicitly 1997. It is wow. yes, yeah, a hard. Uh, it is about Will Smith is an aging hitman who is he's I'm out I'm out I'm but then the government catches wind like they think that he knows a secret so they send his younger clone which is a CGI DH Will Smith after him and apparently in theaters this movie was in 3D and 120 frames per second the 4K disc only does 60 frames a second but if you're gonna watch it you have to you have to watch it at 60 frames the action doesn't work (laughs) susan kate walked into the room as i'm watching this movie and she goes is this even a movie because it's so alienating looking and i anthony texted me it was like this or i i don't know if you saw that too but it's like this is like like what if they gave neil breen a lot yeah. of money. It, it, it has it, that. It feels like an alien made it. So part, and I didn't think of this until about halfway through, but because it's shot in this like super hyper clean high frame rate, 
Mm-hmm. Every part of every scene is hyper detailed and perfectly in focus, which is not how any movie ever works. Every no. movie is like, here's what's in the frame. Here's a person. Everything else is out of focus. Every- right. So you're just being bombarded. Like even a video game, when you're playing Uncharted, there's motion blur to not have you looking at everything in the jungle around Nate Drake. Uh, this is just everything is clear. So it feels like a simultaneously like you're watching a bad soap opera, but also a hallucination, also a wildly expensive Jerry Bruckheimer movie. It's also also it's only who like has this romantic sensibility of like how to frame movement right. in in a film like he he directed Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon so it's like he uses the 60 frames a second to make these like real just like I don't want to say poetic cuz that sounds like really pretentious no that's but, oh, like, that's overselling <laughs> it is overselling but they're so fluid like it just it yeah. feels like if, if cinema is the art of moving images, this movie is cinema. Like, it, it is, behold, cinema! Yeah, yeah. Behold cinema. I, like, the arc, I just kept texting Dave as I watched it. And yeah, it was you were like, not, you, you, you went through the same I, arc, arc I did, where I it's was like, like, oh what god, the fuck this, is this? This is terrible. This, this is, looks is, awful. The script is so bad. Right. And then, I think it's like the moment when like the first real action scene hits when yes. it's like clone Will Smith is like shows up and is like trying to take out actual Will Smith. And it's just, it is. And I, I will say so very quickly, well done. the, the, the digital de-aging, you know, like it doesn't matter what you're watching. If you're watching Mandalorian and it's like young Luke Skywalker or it's, 12 years ago and it's young uh, Jeff Bridges in Mm. fucking Tron. You're always like, that looks bad. Mm. Uh, This, because of the whack-ass presentation, it looks so good. It looks bizarrely good. Like, it really does look like 23-year-old Will Smith is there. Um, With, like, the the hair. Like, the Fresh Prince hair. With the Fresh Prince hair. It's, It's very, very strange. And by the end, they play it so straight, like you forget what action movies used to be like twenty years ago. Yeah, like it, it is, is, it is so a movie earnest. out of time. Yeah, it really uh, is. I, it was very uh, like you find out that not it's not just like a clone, and he was like such like all like they programmed him. It's Clive Owen, evil military mastermind. Clive Owen has been raising him for the past twenty three years. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I, I just I just watched the motorcycle scene while you're talking. This movie is bad and y'all are smoking crack. I, that I, looked I, terrible. <laughs> Susan, I'm I'm telling you, there's a I, I will say young Will Smith actually it looked like young it, it Will looks Smith. Like young I'm gonna I'm gonna give you that, yeah. Right. But the the effects of the motorcycle no, it's <laughs> Bad. <laughs> I uh, the the words I said at the end after finishing it was the only thing that I can truly compare it to is triple X. 
Oh, God. A movie I adore. <laughs> and the heart like, wants what it wants, Susan. Oh, okay. <laughs> Look, I think we all know I enjoy some very bad media. Some bad I shit. enjoy, yeah. yes, some truly terrible stuff. I do not judge for you enjoying something that is bad. No, no, no. I am just arguing that it's because you're like, no, this is awesome. No, it's not. Stop it. No, I, I can't. I can't. Don't necessarily. I, I don't know if good is the right word. It's not. How did I put, how did I put Dave this? Dave just called it cinema. He's like, oh, this is oh, cinema. No. <laughs> Wait, it all is right. How did I? I was telling this. I was, I was talking to a friend after watching it and after ranting to Dave. The insane high frame rate presentation makes every normal film language scene unwatchable. <laughs> like when it should just yeah, be shot like reverse, shot, shot reverse shot, shot no. people talking doesn't work. On top work. of the fact that the script is garbage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, they they use they use the word AMF like Yeah. They, they like they talk about it like oh he got AMF and then like halfway through the movie someone like Mary Elizabeth Winstead asks what does AMF mean and they say Adios, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. Perfectly. Totally straight face. Totally straight. It is 100% sincere. Here here it is. Here it is. My letterbox review. It's a terrible movie. It might not be a movie. It's wretched. I might love it. (laughs) That was how I came down. Oh, 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 okay. It's the best $4 I've ever spent on a Blu-ray. It's the Uh, best... Hands down, the best four dollars ever spent on Blu-ray. I, like that's I, the thing. Like I'm not saying like go out and buy the what I, like a Vinegar Syndrome puts out a sixty dollars release. Like no. no, get it cheap. That's the, that's the thing that I've been like learning with movies is just like like the the worst that you're out is like maybe two hours. Like unlike sure. a video game where you spend sixty hours of your life and you're like, what did I just do? Mo- two hours, like it or don't like. You saw something you've never seen before. Susan, do you remember? It's nothing like you'd it. You'd be like, it's like Sunday. You don't have any work due. Like, there's no deadlines. You don't have any obligations. And you like turn on TBS. Oh, and yeah. So, and somebody's just like, he's coming this way. And you're like, yeah, I got I got an afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> I got, oh, yeah. Oh, like, yeah, oh, yeah. I, look. I can look. burn this down. <laughs> One of my favorite movies, a movie I will stop whatever I'm doing to watch. Like, my world ceases so that I can sit and put my eyeballs on the screen is the core. Oh, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. (laughs) So look, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, you got it. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a... it's, I, look, I'm going to put this offer out to the the continue podcast community. If anybody has a 4K capable uh, Blu-ray player in their home and wants to watch this movie, you go in our Discord, you tell me, I will send you my copy. <laughs> you guy, I want to I want to pay it forward, all right? That's that's what we'll do with Gemini man. There's nothing like it. Like there's not there is like, nothing if, else if, like if, if I don't know it looked an awful lot like cool as ice I'm just saying it, <laughs> okay I cut but the, 
guy, similar. The director of photography for Schindler's List worked on Cool as Ice, so there's some really artful shots in that movie. It's terrible. <laughs> Looks good. Uh, I, it's very funny. I've seen, in the past two weeks, I've seen two movies for the first time. This and Itu Mama Tambien. Oh. I fucking hated Itu Mama Tambien. That movie... That movie is a bad movie. I want to go back in time and take away the Academy Awards for that movie. <laughs> un- I- Unwatch un- it. <laughs> Hot take. Nothing with Penelope Cruz is actually good. No, it's not. That's the... Wait. <laughs> that's the was, other... Was she in Vanilla Sky? Other- She's yes. in. Um, I like Vanilla Sky. Oh shit! I will say, like, if you absolutely, positively have to see naked, twenty-year-old uh, Cassie and Andor, Itu Mami Tambien's the only option. Uh, I mean, I, I was just, I was just saying. <laughs> have uh, to? I, you if, know, if you have to, it's an option. Uh, but like, I wanted to go back in time and be like, look, everybody, just because Alfonso Cuaron rules, it doesn't make, mean everything he makes rules. Well, uh, I... Kate, Kate said it really well. Itumami Tambien is a movie that thinks it likes women and, uh... Oh, no. No, it does oh. not. Is she, is she in that? Is Penelope Cruz it's in not, that? It's not, no. A... Penel- it's Penelope Cruz is in, you're thinking of a Pedro Aldemovar movie that was also come, came out in 2002. Um, or is that something no that was 2006 yeah i don't know i'll i'll think of it i'll think of it amores peros i'm trying to think of like what movies came out around that time (laughs) i'm i'm oh i'm thinking of pirates of the caribbean oh yeah that's what i'm thinking um anyway dave who the hell is one of the people that will receive Gemini Man next? <laughs> Unbidden in the mail, it will show up. You will just um, get Gemini like it will, Man. It will be a cur- like a curse zone showing up in your mailbox, <laughs> and you can use it have to... have a sudden urge to kill somebody. Yes. Uh, our Patreon backers, patreon.com. We appreciate any and all patronage. Thank you so much. Uh, but at the $10... Level and above, I give special shout-outs to people on the show, which I'm going to do right now. We've got Josh Jamie Souza, Toast, Adam Gauntlet, Michael Coffey, Shirley L., The Fancy Manatee, Stormshot, Matthew Peters, Denton Brock, Gluttony One of Seven, Frank Sands, Tyler Nielsen, Shane Nielsen, Yaddle, Ryan Brady, Jacob Christos, Chris Cook, Christian Fisher, Skip Dippity, Canonical, Tom Coveney, and Nick Rugen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for the $4.00 to watch gemini man i mean you, uh, you know what explains a lot i when i watched escape from la i liked it a lot so i oh think yeah that's a problem that ex- <laughs> look <laughs> i was Russell, thinking of Kurt russell not- played basketball for his life stop it stop just, cinema. no stop it i was thinking of all about my mother not yes, that Penelope just, Cruz I, is in that, right? But, yes, I was going to say I was thinking yeah, of. To, "Todo sobre mi madre." That's the that's the one. Uh, which I mean, you can. That's d- saying two words with "mama" in the title. Come on, uh, same era too, turn of the century. Everybody, thank you so much for backing the show. If you do not back the show and you are listening to this right now, we apologize for fucking nothing. Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) 
we do this is this is like Susan writing guides for Oblivion. We were going to do this anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we are incredibly grateful that you are listening. We do encourage everybody to share the show with somebody who has not heard it before, whether or not they are roofing contractors uh, and assessing. Oh uh, boy, yeah, assessing hail. Uh, you can go to Patreon.com/slash/ContinuePodcast and throw us a dollar. Pays the server costs that keep the show running. We do need it to keep the show running. Uh, you can also follow us on the internet. Guys, I don't know if there's going to be a Twitter anymore soon, because uh, no, it's wow. called X yeah. now. That's why. Uh, it's, no, oh, it's because it's X. It's because it's called X now. Be, uh, let me tell you a little peek behind the curtain of uh, business world. Yeah, nobody fucking wants anything to do with that shit anymore. Of course not. What are you oh, saying? What, oh. You saying the the platform where they put the the sex perverts and reinstated their accounts? <laughs> no, like they think that that's not brand safe to put ads on. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what the ultimate business plan is, but it is not fiscally responsible. Uh, Blaze so, your fortune, or wait, no? What is it? Blaze your glory? Is that what it's like? That's what it says on the fucking app store. Woo! Uh, where can people find you guys these days? Um, uh, are you guys blue sky in it still? Yeah, I'm. I'm still. I'm on both. I'm on Rumble. on Twitter. Uh, the CEO of which uh, said, "If it's lawful but awful, it can stay on Twitter." Jesus, guys. Oh, my God. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. Uh, Law- lawful look, but awful. Guys, look, the human body is fragile. <laughs> <laughs> so when Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg fight each other. It's not going to happen. It, it's not a 0% chance that they both die. <laughs> It's not a zero percent chance. I want that to happen. I want that fight to happen. It's not gonna happen. Right? What if it's like the end of Rocky, four, like Rocky uh, three? You know, like when it's like the freeze frame where Apollo and Rocky hit each other in the face, and it like turns into a painting. What if it doesn't turn into a painting and they both just die? What about it? Just that? explodes. Yeah, like their faces pop. Dave, where can people, where can people follow you? You can follow me on Twitter until I'm, I'm going to be there until that ship sinks. I don't care. Oh, whatever. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. At David Robots, you can follow me on Blue Sky uh, as well at David Robots, and you can find me on Letterbox also at David Robots. My uh, recommendation this week: The Day of the Jackal. I watched the original 1973 movie. So hold up. Oh, it's good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I love. I mean, I I love a good procedural movie that like really gets in the weeds to show like every painstaking detail of someone like pulling off a heist or do and like that if that's what you, what you want that movie delivers it's fun it's that, that like two and a half hours just flew by um cool. for me also okay, but but what, what about the bruce willis remake i actually haven't seen that one <laughs> no. The, the only thing about the original movie that I will say is that everyone's accents are all over the place because like it's supposed to take mm-hmm. place in France, but everyone's has like a British English <laughs> accent, and you're like, I don't know about like I wouldn't want them to do a hacky French accent either, but like I don't know, maybe, maybe you just have everyone speak French and do subtitles at the bottom. That worked. 
Oh yeah. Uh, also, is, the, yeah. the the Discord. Is. We're doing another double feature on Sunday. Uh, what day is that? Thirteen. Uh, no, it's oh. uh, the following week on the twentieth. Twenty. Yeah, on the the twentieth, we're gonna watch uh, two Mark Dacascos movies. We're gonna watch Crying Freeman, which rules, and also Drive, which also rules. Different ways that they rule. They're both great. Drive rules. Drive Drive rules so hard. Drive rules not, so no, hard. No, not not the re- what Reffin movie. Oh, not the one. No, the, not the Nicholas Wingding Wingdingling no, Reffin. The nineteen ninety seven Mark DeCascos, Kadeem Hardison, and Brittany movie, Murphy movie. <laughs> that is where oh, no. they blow up a lot of stuff in that movie. I haven't seen that movie in forever. Fight Brittany Murphy choreo- fight choreography by the guy who did Power Rangers. Oh, R- wow. R.I.P. Yeah, Brittany Murphy. Yeah. You fool. You damn fool. <laughs> you <laughs> damn fool. <laughs> All right. We'll see you in two weeks, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.